This is day 101 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Psalm chapters 23 through 27. Lord Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. You have done everything for us already. You loved us first. You created us first. You've chosen us before the foundation of the world. What more is there that we need to be convinced of to obey you? Why is it that we as a people are so prone to wandering? Why are we so stupid in our ways where we just don't even try to follow your ways and we go our own way so often? Knowing full well what you have done and what you are doing in our lives, it boggles the mind, Lord, as to how foolish we can be and how good you are. Why you deal with us is, I don't understand. But I thank you, Lord, for loving us. I thank you for saving us and for striving with us. We don't deserve you, Lord. But thank you for loving us. Please help us to understand your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Salah. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. 
those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me, for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with violent hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not take my soul away along with sinners, nor my life with men of bloodshed, in whose hands is a wicked scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place. In the congregations I shall bless the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. I have a question for you this morning. Do you trust the Lord? I mean, really think about it. Do you trust the Lord? And I think the answer is, for most people, no. And let me explain why. The root problem with a lot of our issues today is unbelief. And what I mean by this is, when God has called us to full surrender, right? He's called us to fully relinquish our will and to pursue his righteousness and his kingdom with a whole heart and holding nothing back. If you want to look at somebody as an example of that, you look at Paul, right? And he wrote the book of Romans being probably the best book of the Bible when it comes to theology and the, and the gospel. And you know the story of Paul, all the stuff that he went through, and how he was driven by just one singular idea, and that idea was to do the Lord's will. But how often do we actually do the Lord's will? At least, surrender all and follow him. Think of what the disciples did when they be became disciples. 
You think of the story of when Jesus was using Peter's boat to teach. And then he says, let's go out for a catch. And he's like, Lord, I've been up all night. I didn't catch anything, but I'll do it because you told me to. And then they had all the fish and, and that huge success. And that broke Peter. What's interesting about that story is that the chapter before, Jesus had healed his mother-in-law from a bad fever. But that didn't convince him. The fish convinced him. But the one thing that really caught my eye, and this is something that we learned on Sunday, was it said that they left everything and followed him. And I mean, we've read through it many times, I'm sure, in our lives, and we know that story. But what does it mean that they left everything? Did they literally leave the fish and the boat on the shore and just left and followed Jesus? Did they literally just abandon their families, their wife, their children, and they just followed Jesus? Yeah. That's exactly what they did. Because they, but then what, here's the most interesting thing though, is they didn't even look back. Because they understood who Jesus really was. He was their shepherd. The master has this under control. I don't have to worry about anything. And that's when we come to Psalm 23, right? The quintessential psalm that everybody, even those that are not believers in Christ, know this psalm because it's just so well known. The Lord is our shepherd. And if we don't trust him as our shepherd on anything, then that is unbelief, that lack of faith. Why is it that we are okay with the idea of God being the guardian of our souls? where we have full confidence that we're going to heaven, right? But we can't trust God with our checkbook. Or we can't trust God with our health. Or we can't trust God with what job am I supposed to have? Why do we worry about these things and not trust God in the little things? It boggles the mind why we do this. I don't know the answer to this question, but I'm pretty sure that it has something to do with our human nature and how we are sheep. We are so prone to wandering, so prone to getting lost, and we're so dumb sometimes. But thank God that he loves us so much that he's already paid the ultimate price for us. And since he already paid the ultimate price for us, of course he can give us all the other things, right? That's the way we should be seeing it. And yet we struggle with that so often and our unbelief prevents us from seeing who God really is and utilizing our full potential in Christ. So I challenge you to pray about this. And just like that man did to Jesus is, Lord, Forgive me for my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Because believe it or not, faith is a gift from God too. We cannot generate faith on our own. It is something that God has to give us. But just like wisdom, 
you pray for faith and you really mean it when you pray. You are sincerely believing that it can be done. God will supply it. So I hope we take that with us as we go through the Psalms. So Psalm 20, chapter 23 is obviously a very well-known psalm, probably the most famous one, and how it shows every aspect of life, how Jesus is our shepherd. He is our guide, he's our protector, and he is our constant companion with the Holy Spirit, right? So God is with us always. What does it mean that he is with us? And he is for us. It is that understanding like a covenant relationship. Just like a husband is for a wife, or at least should be. A father is for their son. The king is for their people. These concepts are the best human comprehension we have of covenant relationships. But God is more than that, and he does everything for our good. So what more do we need to trust in? Not only that, but you go to Psalm chapter 24, and the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So it's not even ours, right? It's on loan to us. He owns and he created the entire earth. So we need to be reminded who this king of glory is. It shouldn't be surprised. You know, the world doesn't really know. But to us, it shouldn't be surprising. So he asks a question in, in Psalm 24. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who, again, we talked about this in a previous psalm, who can be in God's presence? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. External and internal, yet again. And this is a complete understanding. This is a wholeness in one direction. Not a divided allegiance, not holding anything back from the Lord, but leaving everything and following him. Someone who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood. Living in a lie, right? Ooh, this is a big one because we lie to ourselves all the time. We are good at it. We convince ourselves that we don't need to do certain things, or there's parts of the Bible that I don't agree with, therefore I don't have to acknowledge them. Or I try to silence God's true calling in, our, in my life. I do it. We all do it in some way. Help our unbelief, Lord. We know who the King of Glory is, and we simply need to obey. And that's where the trust comes into play. Chapter 25 is a petition from David for things like protection, guidance, and to pardon him from his sins, especially the sins of his youth. And I look forward to the day when I can look back and say, Lord, please forgive me for the sins of my youth, because they are many. And I am a wretch of a man sometimes. Chapter 26 is David again giving um, a petition to God to deliver him from the wicked, for vindication. And ultimately, you see this language a lot in these chapters, is 
integrity. It, we should be known as people of integrity. That is one of the basic fundamental understandings of a Christian. Someone who is a person of integrity. We are honest. We do what we say what we're going to do. And even when no one's looking, we're doing the right thing. Because in reality, someone is always looking, right? God. God is always looking. Even when you're in a room by yourself. And nobody else knows what you're doing. God knows. He's watching you do it. And he's wondering why you think it's okay to defy him. And you would think that it should be enough to scare you and to stop doing it, but it doesn't. And I don't understand that either. But that is the reality of our situation. So we need to constantly be in his presence, prayer and petition, and in his word, so that we can maybe clean. That's why God put things in the Bible, like the armor of God. Because he knows we need that protection. Because otherwise, we will wander off and be totally lost without him. Psalm chapter 27 is one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. Um, this was one that a year or so ago I had memorized, but to be quite honest, I have not practiced it, and it was a nice refresher for me, and I remember most of it, but this was one that I liked to quote to myself because it is such a beautiful portrayal of how dependent we are upon God. The Lord is our light and our salvation. There is no reason to fear or dread anything. He is the defender of our lives. No matter who is against you, do we really believe that God is more powerful than the creation of his? Yes, we should. But yet we so often don't trust God in these things. And this is a helpful reminder. And this is where we should all be praying every single day. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I should seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Now, when it talks about his beauty, right, his majesty, it's not talking about physical beauty, obviously, because he's a spirit. But that's not what we're talking about. It's talking about just the attractiveness, the majesty and the glory that he has manifested through his word and in our own lives that shows he's truly worthy of our trust. Why wouldn't you just want to spend your free time thinking about those things? Isn't that what we're called to do anyway? We're called to think of things above and not on things on the earth? So, He's already told us what to do, and we just have to simply do it. And until we do, we will never be our full potential as believers. Understanding that indwelt in us is the Holy Spirit, the same being that allowed all things to come into existence. He was there at the creation when Christ said, let there be light. That same power of creation is in us. Just imagine if we could truly understand that and the Lord use that in our lives, what he can create through us. 
just how he can create new life. And think about it. When he saves somebody, when he offers salvation and transformation and regeneration by the Holy Spirit, that is an act of creation. Because we, as human beings, before we are saved, we are dead in our trespasses. That's why I think it's John MacArthur who says it so often is, dead people can't accept salvation. We are dead in our trespasses. We're not dying. We're not zombies. We are absolutely dead. Corpses. We are corpses. And until we see that, that is why the world needs to hear the gospel so much. Because without it, this world will not know what to do. This world will not be able to accept salvation. God has instructed us to share the gospel. Do it without fear. Don't make excuses for yourself. And I'm telling myself this as well, because I struggle with the same things that I'm, te I'm telling you. I'm not saying this as somebody who has accomplished something you haven't, because I have not. But I sometimes need to pep talk myself, right? I mean, we all need that pep talk. But I hope we can look at this a little bit differently today. Seek my face, is what he said in verse 8. When you said, you had already said it, Lord, seek my face. My response should be what he says. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Can we be honest with ourselves and say that we are there? Because I think for the majority of us, we are not. We are not. And we need to be honest with ourselves. And we need to repent. I'm also speaking to myself. I have things I need to repent of as well. May we ask the Lord to teach us his way and to lead us on a level path. And ultimately, we are to wait on the Lord. Now, what does that really mean, to wait? It's a lot more than I can describe in 10 seconds. But in short, it is not that we just sit around waiting to do and do nothing until God commands us to do something. Because guess what? He's already commanded us to do many things in his word. And we need to first be obedient in those things. You want to call it in a military style, standing orders. Your orders have already been issued to you, and you continue to do those things until your commander comes and gives you new orders. But until he does, you keep doing the things he's already told you to do. That is waiting on the Lord. And what has he told us to do? To pray, to share the gospel, to read the Bible, to do these things, go to church. Serve your communities. Serve your congregation. These are all things he's already told us to do, and that's what we should be doing with our time. Church is important. Your faith is incomplete without going to church. It needs to be a priority for everyone. And I know that for some it would be, well, you know, going to church is such a ritualistic thing, and... It's legalism if going to church is what he's telling us to do. Well, think about this. I think that's part of the reason why 
the world is in the situation it's in right now. Because we as Christians take these things so lightly, in my opinion. Simply because, yes, when you think of the Jewish community, right? If you didn't go to synagogue, or you did... If you didn't go to synagogue, I would bet that people were asking, what happened? You know, you must have been really sick or dying not to come to church, because you know going to church is an absolute essential. The synagogue, you have to be there. God has commanded us to be there. We have to be there. Or imagine if somebody came to a Jew on the Sabbath in those days and was like, hey, let's go do this on the Sabbath. Absolutely not. We don't do that around here. Don't you get it? You know, you, you get, you see that intensity behind these rituals. And that's what they are. They're really the rituals. We usually think of rituals as being such a negative thing, like a witchcraft or satanic ritual, right? We, we tend to use ritual in that word, but a lot of things we do are rituals. Brushing my teeth every day is a ritual because it benefits me in some way. Taking a shower is a ritual because it benefits me in some way. Putting on my seatbelt when I get in the car is a ritual, and it benefits me in some way. Church is a ritual, and it benefits you in some way. Reading the Bible is a ritual, should be a ritual, and it benefits you in some way. Prayer is, should be a ritual. Well, Ryan, the thing is, is that when you just have empty rituals, that's legalism. Yes. But how can you develop a good habit if you're not even doing anything? You get what I'm saying? You have to actually get the wheels turning before you actually make any progress. And I think that's what this world is so quick to argue about, is we're so okay with conveniencing ourselves. Well, you know, I want to sleep in. I guess I'll skip church today. Well, you know, I, I want to rest all day today, so I'm not going to do anything for my community. Well, you know, I've got such a busy job that I, I don't have time to help the church with anything. Besides, you know, that's just uncomfortable for me. What fools we are to think that. Because all we're doing is worshiping ourselves. Let's be honest. You look at it like that. It's self-worship over God-worship. God is very clear when he said, don't put any gods before him. That includes ourselves. So we need to be people who are better than we are today. And I just feel that call in my own life that I need to be better than I am right now. Because I know in my heart of hearts, the Lord has shown me that I have been holding back from going full in, full on nosedive into what God wants. And I think most of us can agree that we haven't even started or we are struggling with the same thing. So my prayer for us is to be people who will wait on the Lord Yes, but we are also to be people of action. We have to first start doing things. This is a great place to begin, listening to the Word of God every day. But this is 
bare minimum. And we're better than that. God has never given us the bare minimum, so why should we give him the bare minimum? So I'll get off my pulpit and leave it at that. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.